Our Monday, Thursday scripture text comes to us from Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 and 6 to 16. Then one of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I betray him to you? They paid him 30 pieces of silver, and from that moment he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your Holy Spirit, O God, allow us to enter into even this dark narrative of Holy Week. We pray it in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. What will you give me if I betray Jesus? Judas asked the chief priest. We know little about G Judas or, or what had happened to him along the way to make him ask such a question. We do know that he was trusted, though. He was the treasure for the disciples. None of the other disciples in, in, in the Gospels give any evidence of not trusting Judas. And we know that at the Last Supper, he sat next to Jesus, a place of honor. They shared a dipping bowl together. So what would make Judas betray all that trust for 30 pieces of silver? Like many preachers, my tendency often is to invite the congregation into the text and to identify with one of the characters of the text. So I would say something like, the woman at the well is not the only one whose life hasn't turned out as she had hoped. She's not the only one with insatiable thirst for living water. Maybe you know something of that too. Or maybe I would say that the prodigal son isn't the only one who's wandered far from home and made a mess of his life. And his elder brother is not the only one who's confounded by the grace which he has received when he returns home. The disciples aren't the only ones who have been terrified when a terrible storm battles the little ship called their life. You've had those terrifying moments too. Right. But Judas, that's a stretch, and we really don't want to go there. Our society has long betrayed its greatest, portrayed its greatest condemnation among those who commit acts of betrayal. Dante places Judas at the very bottom of the inferno along with Brutus and Cassius and, and Luther, the ultimate betrayal against God. I've lost count of how many infant baptisms I have officiated at, but I know this, never once, when I ask the name, what is the Christian name of this child? <laughs> As some parent proudly said, Judas Iscariot. <laughs> no, that, that name is gone. Right. I understand our disdain for that, but I think, I think on Monday, Thursday, and Holy Week, the gospel would have us even confront Judas's question as if it were our own. 
What would it take for you to betray Jesus? Judas had been with Jesus for three years now, which interestingly is the, pretty much the exact amount of time it takes to get an MDiv degree. <laughs> you came here because you had some sense of being led by Jesus here as his disciple. You've worked hard while you were here. Hopefully you will leave here with a sense of, of stewardship for what you've been given, a sense of calling and, and how to use the profound theology and the great ideals that have been nurtured here. So what would it take to walk away from all of that? We're not told exactly why Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So maybe that's not the point. Maybe the point is for us to ponder why we would do it. I don't think you'll betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. I don't even think that was actually Judas's motivation. He had already decided to betray Jesus when he went to the chief priests. If you've come to seminary because you're interested in the silver, you've made a serious career mistake. <laughs> so what would it be? What would it be that would make you walk away from discipleship? Would it be that you had expectations of Jesus that eventually you realize he's not going to meet? We, we have too many disappointments in him as he fails to rescue your ministries or, or the people that you love and care about who, who died anyway in spite of your prayers. Will it be the weariness, the loneliness of the work, the constant complaining and the lack of gratitude? Will it be that you spend so much time devoted to your work that you haven't taken care of your soul and you leave burnt out? There are so many reasons why we could betray our profession of being a disciple. And each of us knows which way we are uniquely tempted to do just that. Later on in this same text in Matthew, the fragility of all the disciples' relationship to Jesus is revealed at the Last Supper, when Jesus predicts his betrayal. And we're told then that one after another they said, surely not I, Lord. As if to reveal an insecurity in this relationship. As if to say, I've been worried about this, but I thought I had it under control. It's important to remember that none of the disciples are heroes at the cross. In some ways, they've all betrayed their profession of discipleship. Peter had indicated that he would never let Jesus go to the cross. And the way John tells the story, after Jesus is arrested and taken to the high priest's home for a trial, Peter finds himself at a campfire with the very temple police who captured Jesus. And inside the high priest's house, he's being interrogated and asked about his teaching. And Jesus responds by saying, those who've seen and heard my teaching will tell you what it is. Notice he's basing his defense on his disciples. And at that very moment, 
Peter is denying three times that he ever knew Jesus. How could the failure be portrayed more greatly? We always refer to this as Peter's great denial, but as if he's not telling the truth. But I, I, I think maybe he is. Maybe he's not a disciple. If a disciple means to follow Jesus, and following Jesus now means going to the cross, Peter is no longer a disciple. No, I'm not his disciple. None of the other disciples were particularly heroic at the cross either. None of, them, none of the men even took care of his body by the grave. They were all locked away in a room with shut doors. So if you resolve to be heroic in your discipleship, you got to know that eventually that Judas chromosome is going to kick in. And you're going to do what you now think you're never capable of doing because your resolve will turn to despair. And then in your despair, you're going to start looking for an exit strategy from the ministry. Hear this carefully. Do not have faith in your faith. Do not have faith in your devotion to Jesus. Have faith in Jesus, especially when you are faithless. Matthew tells us that after the crucifixion, Judas repented. That's the word he uses. Judas repented. To repent, as you know, means simply to turn. The problem is where Judas turned in his repentance. He turned into his guilt. He tried to give the money back. And then he went out and destroyed his life. By contrast, Peter and the other disciples Matthew says they essentially just waited until the risen Savior found them. Then they, they worshipped him. Then he gave them a great commission for their lives. And then he said, and I will be with you always. He will be with you always. He'll be with you when you are faithful and when you are not. Always means always. So in this Holy Week season, let us at least remind ourselves that we're not the heroic Savior. In fact, we can't even consistently be faithful to the Savior, which is just another reason why we need the Savior. And when you do fail the Savior, be very careful where you turn. Don't turn to your guilt and your shame. Turn to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that is with you always. Amen.